Welcome to Scale and Bail with John Woolley and Ben Zawalski, presented to you by Innovate. This weekly podcast is designed for those of you that are looking for ways to be more efficient and effective in the gym without feeling like you have to max out every workout. We'll be covering topics relative to all aspects of fitness, and we'd love to spend time with you here each and every week, so get subscribed on all your favorite podcast apps and YouTube. Now on to the show. Ben Zawalski, what's up? We did it. We started a podcast. <laughs> they're like they're like babies. Anybody can do this. Anyway, <laughs> you know, right. it's been it's been a really long time coming. I've had so many people kind of like, hey, when are you gonna start a podcast? And I'm like, never. What do I have to talk about? I don't have anything to talk about. And then John, you're the first person that truly convinced me that I had something to talk about. So I'm 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 here for it. I'm very excited. See, I'm the opposite. People keep telling me, when are you going to quit doing podcasts? Please quit doing podcasts. And here I am doing a second one. So I'm pretty excited about this. You need to stop sharing your opinions with the world. No one wants your opinions. Just make me more memes. Oh, dude, don't get you see, you're gonna be you're gonna be triggered. We're like 30 seconds into this podcast. You're gonna be triggered. I had people commenting to me this week, like just tell me how much they don't like me. And they don't even know me. I'm like, how do you not like someone you don't know? Like in any capacity. Isn't and at what point did you force them to follow what you're doing? I I don't know. Like the internet <laughs> is such a weird place. Like it used to really bother me in the early days, like really early on. I don't know what it's like for you. Do you, do you have haters? I don't think you have haters, do you? Oh, I have, I have some haters. I do mean, you? maybe not specific to wad prep. Like I don't think I've ever had very many like specific wad prep haters. I'm sure they exist. They just stay low key. And I don't check the comments anymore, but when I first started, it was mainly like releasing videos about how to do butterfly pull-ups. Like that was one of my first videos. I had like a mohawk. If you just search butterfly pull-ups <laughs> on YouTube, you'll find it. It was ridiculous. I had like a mohawk, like don't even, not even wear a wad prep shirt. Like it's just, it's trash. My most popular video of all time. And the amount of trolls in the comments of that video is, you know, like zero reps, not a single rep was done, you know, and on this day, not a rep was completed, you know, just like everyone just like, I had no idea CrossFit was so stupid. And it's just like, oh my gosh. So that's, that's really where most of my trolls come out are, are YouTube videos. Well, you know, videos are different. Like I, I can get, I can kind of understand the trolls on YouTube because you have people that are outside of CrossFit, you know, and you've got yeah. all the fitness, you know, the, the strong, and I get those occasionally. I'll get people that drop in the comments making some, but they're bashing CrossFit. They're not bashing me personally. So it's easy for me to take. Like I don't have a problem. People will just someone. straight up attack you personally. Yeah. It's just weird. Like the internet's just weird that way. I just get, I can't wrap my mind around why people dislike someone that they've never met they don't know it's free content so they don't have to follow i'm like i'm not like i'm yeah. not like i'm texting it to them yeah huh. yeah maybe i, I remember I, I mean i had people like kind of like attack me when i was outspoken when you know glassman made i, I still stand by this made his really s- stupid commentary <laughs> uh and i you know made some comments saying i don't believe in this like crossman needs to make a change and guess what they did and it was great but it's funny how many people came out of the woodwork like unfollowed like i don't i don't respect you anymore it's like i didn't ask but anyway <laughs> well i've gotten i've gotten pretty good these days about trying to stay away from you know topics that people would consider political but it's just always interesting to me but 
Anyway, let's piss uh, some people off and, and start talking about uh, whatever we're going to talk about. I'm pumped, scale and bail. Well, look, I think if we're going to piss people off on this show, it's going to be people that like to, you know, they like to max out every day and they don't want to hear the story that scaling might actually be better for you than loading heavy weight on the bar every single day and killing yourself like an idiot. But yes, OG, very much OG uh, CrossFitters or OG in the functional fitness community might not like to hear this, but uh, yeah, some of the best progress you can make is by allowing yourself to tone it down. You don't need to, basically you don't need to leave the floor or leave the gym having just sprawled out on the floor in a pile of your own vomit and sweat. Like that used to be like the calling card of like a good CrossFit workout, (laughs) 45 minutes and I'm bleeding and I threw up twice. How many times Um, have you thrown up at CrossFit? I've thrown up. I threw up the first three times I did CrossFit. So you're the first three? First three. Then I realized that it was unwise. First tip, everyone listening, get ready. Take out your pen and paper. First tip, do not drink a half gallon homemade fruit smoothie <laughs> 10 minutes prior to doing your first CrossFit workout. Oh my God, and especially amazing. don't do that three days in a row. Oh, that's yeah. Uh, why would anyone in, a, in with half a brain do that's insane? Like you had to have known well, it was a bad idea. I came from like bodybuilding, like I and not that I was good at any way, shape, or form, but like that's what I did was like I would smash a big like protein fruit smoothie for like breakfast and then go to the gym really early in the morning at North Carolina State and like get my pump on. And obviously, when you're bodybuilding, at least the way I did it, I wasn't like Arnold level, obviously. Uh, but the intensity that I brought to bodybuilding, buys and tries and chest and back, was not enough to make me vomit. Uh, but the first crossword work I'd ever did, which was Barbara, in my parents' Ooh. kitchen, uh, that is still there today, uh, I did pull-ups in a doorway pull-up bar and then threw up in the kitchen sink. Oh, my God. that's, that's The kitchen awful. sink has been replaced. God, I but hope so. Three days in a row, I threw up. Or actually, I think the first day was kitchen sink. I was maybe like a little bit more ready for it the second day. And I think days two and three, I threw up in the toilet. And then I was just like, you know what? I keep throwing up the same stuff. Maybe it's this smoothie that I'm, it was like, I had spinach, I had protein. I had like half a pound of blueberries in there. Like it was insane. And then I would just do CrossFit immediately after. Didn't, didn't work out very well. You're an idiot. Thank you. Terrible, terrible. When did you start CrossFit? How long ago was this? This was 2008. Oh, wow. You're an OG. You're more of an OG than I am. Yes, huh? I'm OG, man. Hey, were you like 12? How old were you when you started? I was, I was 18-ish, something like that. Jesus, that's, that's insane. Yeah, my, so my teacher, the reason I, I found it was my, the teacher, my favorite teacher in high school, obviously never gave us any homework, um, He was my mentorship teacher. Basically, he let me pursue a career in professional bass fishing as like my mentorship. I had like a mentor, Frank, who I still love. He's like a second father figure. Frank took me under his wing, taught me how to be a professional fisherman. That was my class, basically. It was amazing. Anyway, I come home from my first semester at college and like Christmas break, a lot of people come into the high school and like, you know, like 
haze the the old friends that they had that are still seniors. You know, that was like the typical thing. It was either Christmas break or it actually might have been summer break. I, I can't remember technically, but I came back and Mr. Ashcraft, my favorite teacher, I was crashing his class, distracting all the other students. And then, of course, he just talked to me for 20 minutes and he's like, dude, you got to try CrossFit. I'm in the best shape of my life. I do 100 pull-ups a day and they're crazy pull-ups are called kippering pull-ups. You just you just swing and you do as many as you can and you're just like kicking your legs. And this is actually how I was describing it. Oh kippering. God. I still remember. And then he told me to go to CrossFit.com and find the workout. So the next day, that's what I did. And it was Barbara. And yeah, I vomited and then saw the scores, my score stacked up against everyone else's. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, this was a fluke. I'm more fit than, you know, 78% of these comments. And then, of course, the next day I got crushed even more. And then the third day I had like rings and I didn't even have rings yet. And I was like, what is this? This is crazy. And then that that sparked it. And then whether it was second semester or or the next year, I can't remember whether it was starting in sophomore year. I think it was just my spring semester freshman year. I came back and I was just all in. I was trying to make CrossFit work at the NC State Rec Center, which was, let's just say, not ready for CrossFit. Uh, and then, of course, like back then, it's like there was like three of us out of 40,000 people that went there that were like throwing down wads in the in the uh, rec center. And you could tell because there were the idiots kicking up on the wall, doing handstand pushups, like trying to sort of drop barbells, but not really just like kind of flirt the line of getting yelled at. And then bar muscle ups with the weird split bars and double unders. And it was just chaos, but it was great. Loved every moment of it. I miss the OG days when people thought CrossFit was the most dangerous thing on the planet. And to their, to their credit, we did a lot of stupid things. So it probably was warranted. Uh... The amount of deadlifts I did in a given week, cause I would program for myself. I'd look at, at CrossFit.com and be like, nah, <laughs> deadlifts and power cleans. How long did it take you to figure out that this uh, method of just maxing out every day, puking in the garbage can, laying on the floor at the end of the workout until you're ready to die and like feeling half injured five days a week? How long did it take you to figure out that was not the right way to go? Probably a lot longer than it should have. I want to say that I truly learned the value of recovery and like dedicating time to technique over just like go in there and do your best and just try to beat the guys that you recruited to come with you to try it out. So I kind of like fell into this, like I'm the coach role because I like recruited five of my friends and I was the coach just simply because I had done two weeks of CrossFit compared to their three days. Right. So that I was like the senior, um, but we would just beat the crap out of each other. And, and be very proud of it. But then finally, when I went to my first legit affiliate, which at the time was called uh, Raleigh CrossFit or CrossFit Raleigh, I can't remember the which way. Uh, and, and Christmas Abbott was one of the owners there with uh, Chanel and Kim. And I remember they were just like, Ben, you got to take a rest day. And I was like, what? A rest day? I'm paying big money for this yeah. membership. There's not a chance I'm resting. I was the, the quintessential guy that's like, I'll come in three days, three times a day. I don't care. And then they kind of Christmas, especially kind of like taught me about like what the word mobility meant and how that 
will help me get better at things if I can move better through space. And the importance of taking a day off at some point. Um, cause every, anytime CrossFit would program a rest day, I was like, no way, like that's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, it took me a little while, but I would say, I think it was like six months before I stepped into a real affiliate. But if I had stepped into that affiliate sooner, then I would have learned those lessons earlier, but just having a mentor that was willing to, that was one way fitter than me. And I was like, holy crap, this girl is insane. And then insane in a good way. That's a positive thing. Um, and then having her tell me that I'm doing it wrong in a way was really helpful. And it was kind of a gut check. And then that started the dominoes falling in the right direction. I wish I'd had all of that. I, I had the opposite experience. It took me six years. probably. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Yeah. I was injured all the time. I mean, I'll give you the cliff notes version, you know, so I was here in Cleveland. I was starting this tiny little gym. This was 2012. And uh, the guys that started the gym were OG. So they'd been doing it for a number of years and they were tight with, you know, they were one of them was from California. So they knew a lot of that California crew, you know, like kind of all the names you would recognize. And it was like this real old school method that if you weren't constantly going hard, you were just doing it wrong. It's all about intensity. Yeah. To their credit, they were, they were sticklers about form. Like they, you know, they, they called a lot of no reps, you know, but I remember distinctly in the middle of a workout, I was, you know, I started at 40 years old. I had not done any fitness besides P90X my entire life. Right. You know, and that's no slight to P90X because it's a good program, but yeah, I've heard it's tough. Yeah. You know, a lot of push-ups, you know, sit-ups, that sort of thing, but um, it's just not the same. Right. And uh, I was, I was in the middle of this workout and I had kettlebell swings in it and I'd gotten the blue kettlebell. These kettlebells were fully cut. So instead of just the handles, the whole thing's colored, right? And so I had this baby blue kettlebell, which I guess in hindsight is 26 pounds, right? Okay. And I was using it because I just felt like hell. Like I'd just been beaten up from every workout because we're doing all these intense workouts and I'm using it and feeling pretty good about myself. And the coach walks over middle of the workout, literally snatches it out of my hand and hands me a heavier kettlebell. Like that was the mentality. It was like, it wasn't, you know, what are you capable of or what's best for you for this day? It's like, go as hard as you can. You right. Know? If you're not absolutely pushing it to the brink, then what are you even doing? Yeah. It was just, it was just a bad place to be. And so I, you know, I'd kind of trained under this uh, method for, you know, several years and I constantly had some sort of injury, whether it was a shoulder or a knee or just, you know, age or whatever, but I was just constantly beat up and I wasn't making the progress. I think I should have been making looking back on, I was getting better. Like you, you, you know, particularly coming from no fitness into fitness, like I was making progress. Right. So, you know, looking back on it, it was like, I wasn't making the, the progress I should have been making. And so fast forward to about, I'm going to say about four years ago, you know, I've been training out at CrossFit Mentality, which is north of here and with in Scott Panchik's gym and the twins, Saxon and Spencer, were going to open their own gym and it was much closer to my house. And so I went to them and I'm like, look, I'm tired of being broken. I will come to you guys and train at your gym, but you cannot let me RX a workout. I will, I'm going to scale every workout. I walk in the door. And if you let me RX, because given my own resources, I will, I'm going to quit. And, wow. and Saxon goes, okay. 
And all of a sudden I quit getting injured Hmm. and I started to see my times get better and I started to get faster and my lifts got heavier and I started and so, so then I'm, you know, I'm a banker by trade. So I started doing the math on things like really quickly, right. Start putting two and two together and figuring out, wow, like I'm working out at about 60% of what I'm probably capable of, but I'm able to now string much more days together than I was before. And I feel so much better on day five than I did on, you know, previously. Sure. And I feel maybe as good as I did on day one and I'm continuing to see progress. Maybe there's something to this. And so I started to, to really track what I was doing. And that's when I like the light bulb went off. Like not only should I be scaling most wads, maybe I should scale every single one. Hmm. And, and so I started doing that. And so I still occasionally I'll RX something if it's body weight, you know, but you know, I, I really just started focusing on, can I keep the intensity of what the intent of the workout is? And so I just started going to Saxon and Spencer and saying, all right, what was your intent when you programmed this? And, you know, they're smart dudes. They picked up very quickly. And so then they started kind of coaching me through that and helping me understand. And that's, for me, that's how scale and bail was built. You know, Mm. when I figured I could, man, I could get in and out of there in an hour and my lifts would get better and And I feel good. Yeah, Yeah. And, and I'm not broken, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it was just a, it was a huge change for me. So I wish I had had that. And I wish I'd bluntly, I'd had this resource 10 years ago. And I think I'd be far, you know, fitter today than I am. Not that I'm, you know, the picture yeah. of fitness, but I think well, I'm pretty good for 51. So what yeah, you're decent, like I'll give you like a decent, I mean, you're strikingly <laughs> handsome, but that's, you know, I've only really seen it from the neck up. So, you know, I was going knows? for decent. Decent is really, that's a huge compliment for me. Ben. I mean, look at me. I'm trying to freaking cut my hair like you. Um, I'm working on graying my beard like you, but anyway, you'll get there. I think that it's, it's so powerful that like we've, we have been doing this a while, right? We're, we're not necessarily, um, you know, I used to compete and stuff like that, but we've made a lot of similar and also different mistakes that have led us to the point now where like we've we've kind of been through the ringer. We've seen all the different ebbs and flows of CrossFit that we've gone through multiple opens and different seasons. And I've competed. I know you've, you know, used to RX everything. And then now you scale most things. And it's like we we have this cool approach where like we can attack the topics that we're going to cover over, you know, the next uh, 72 years while we're doing this podcast. And we're going to be able to cover topics from different angles with different opinions. And it's going to be great. Uh, A little note I took here is like, what's interesting about progress is like, despite us making a lot of mistakes, which will hopefully for listeners, we're going to help you make less mistakes. You're still going to make some, but even though John and I made a lot of mistakes, we're still health. Like for me, I'm healthier now than I've probably ever been. And I feel great now. And I do now I do CrossFit, not to be better at CrossFit, which is always nice. And I still like winning workouts. Don't forget that part. I I still got an ego involved. I, I will admit. However, I do CrossFit now to make my life better as a whole, to be able to explore Colorado with, and, and try all of the sports and, and be better at all of them. And, and, Like, I just feel better as a human being because of this. And if we hadn't have made these mistakes and made changes, my guess is we either be beat up. Like there's a lot of people who got beat up by CrossFit and 
They kind of left because they didn't have a good coach. They didn't have good guidance, or maybe they made one zig when they should have zagged and something actually got hurt, hurt, like a true bad injury. Um, luckily for CrossFit, a lot of the injuries and mistakes that we make are kind of minuscule, like ripping our hands to smithereens every couple of weeks, right? Like we're going to help you avoid that. We're going to have a discussion, I'm sure at some point about hand care, but if you do rip your hands to smithereens, it's not the end of the world. We're going to help you slowly but surely make less mistakes, well, not eliminate them all, just make less. Of them. Yeah, no, you're still going to make them. I I was laughing today. I was telling someone like uh, joking that I'm going to do a podcast today, helping people learn how to scale. And I can barely walk because my calves hurt so bad because I did the wrong workout two days ago <laughs> Nice, and I wasn't prepared for it. And I didn't scale the way I should have. I'm like, all right, well, I, you know, I guess I'm going to teach people what I don't know how to do myself. You know, it's like, you're going to make mistakes. Like it's, there's certainly no perfect science to understanding how to scale workouts. You're going to look at things and go, okay, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're going to misjudge. Yep. You know, it's just, it's going to happen. But for me, it's about minimizing the mistakes. If you can make fewer and put yourself at less risk and put more work in, even at a lesser volume, more work at a lesser volume is better in my opinion than heavy work at a lower volume where you're putting yourself at risk and you're not working at maybe the best intensity that you can, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. And I think again, like it, it kind of all comes down to the goal, right? Like, I mean, Hey, if we're trying to get really, really freaking strong, then there will be times like if that is your goal, then lifting really heavy is something that you need to do to get really, really strong. That's, you know, that's old school, strength and conditioning well, that, that, science. That's a great point though, because lifters don't max out every yeah. day. They so rarely... that's my, that was my next point. And I actually wrote this down as like in sports in general, or we can even use weightlifting as an example, but let's just, I mean, we, heck we can use NFL football. We can use any sport, right? Do they go 100% all out scrimmage every single day? No. Right. Do, do weightlifters competing in the Olympics go for a one RM snatch and clean and jerk every single day, or even every week. The answer is no. There's, there's cycles of technique. There's cycles of, of training. There's deload uh, for a lot of people listening, doing an hour a day ish CrossFit class where you're really actually only exercising for a portion of that. Unless you're competing, there's really not too much of like a deload thing that needs to happen. And some, some coaches are going to be able to program that for you in your general, like general classes. But the thing to note is not every day is 100% all-out max effort. And if you can internalize that exactly to your point, John, what that's going to do is like giving yourself a little bit of like gas left in the tank, so to speak, making sure that you're not stressing your body to the absolute maximum every single time. That's just going to help you stay more consistent. And ultimately, the reason that we're both here behind the mic and, and still like preaching the good truth of, of functional fitness and CrossFit is because we're, we're still here doing it after over a decade. And that means that it's, it's worked for us and we're able to show up. It's the people who go way too hard and get hurt or the people who go too hard and then mentally get burnout. They're no, they're not doing it anymore. And unless they found another fitness activity to replace it, they're right back where they started. So it's all about the consistency. Are you able to do you look forward to showing up every day or are you just dreading getting in there because you're going to get hurt or, or have muscle soreness for the next 12 days? 
Well, what you're talking about is a mind shift though. And so I think this is hard for a lot of people. So let me get your opinion on this. So you're, what you're describing is you have people going into a gym where they're not programming for themselves typically, right? You've got a coach or HQ is doing their programming or maybe they're using comp train or God knows what, right? And there's an RX on the board and there's usually two RX, right? Male and female. And you, and, and then you have to choose your weight. Am I going to RX? Am I going to, you know, use the women's weight? Am I going to lighter? Or am I going to fall somewhere in between? Right. And I think that's where it's hard for people to decide how do I, how and when should I scale? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you, so for you, when you're thinking of, you know, athletes looking at that board and, you know, think of the ego that goes into a lot of people, male and female, we all have one, right. You're looking at the board, like how often should you be walking into a gym sight unseen? You haven't seen the board yet thinking I'm going to scale today. Oh, wow. There's a huge, huge dose of it depends there. However, I think oftentimes where, where the mistake is made is like standardizing the weight for a particular workout, like benchmark workouts are, are great and I love them. However, like today's workout that I did, I'm just going to use this as an example because I think it's a perfect example is we had a strength portion where there was a, a heavy push two push press into a jerk. And you just built to your, your four heavy sets for the day, building to whatever today's heavy is. does not maximal. I left a little bit in the tank. And then based on your heaviest weight that you lifted there, your Metcon, the actual conditioning piece, was based off a percentage of that weight. I love that style of programming because based on your strength that you've demonstrated, your stimulus is then automatically generated by the fact that the workout calls for 70% of whatever you built in the strength. So I'm over here using 185 pounds, just like struggling next to, you know, Jane Doe, who is using 60 pounds and struggling the same. And we finish at about the same time. So that's great because we, we met the stimulus that the workout was programmed for where a lot of people make huge mistakes and kind of circling back around to the initial question is like, there's so many people, especially the gym that I used to own, like there would be people who'd come in and they're just like, Hey, I'm, I'm fit. I'm a fit guy or I'm a fit girl. And they'd see, Oh, the workout calls for 135 pound uh, push jerks. I'm going to do that because that's what the workout says. Right. Not not for any reason other than I don't want to be looked at as someone who can't do something. And like that ego is a bad place. And that's where a lot of people do get hurt. They get burnout. They push themselves too far or they don't meet the stimulus of the workout. They're over there. Like this example workout today took everyone around like, let's say between five and 10 minutes. And then if, if it was a prescribed weight of 185 or 155, there'd be some people in there where that's a 20 minute workout and that's not the stimulus at all. So I think circling back around to your initial point as an athlete, it's our job to like really make sure that we try to get out of the coach, not keep our mouth shut, but get out of the coach, get out of the person writing the programming. What's, what's the goal stimulus here? If you can meet that stimulus or that time domain with quote unquote RX weight, then sure, that could be a workout that you'd want to RX. But if RXing the weight 
puts you way out of that time domain or like you know that at some point your form is just going to absolutely tank, then you got to scale and and you got to leave the ego at the door, which is why I really like, I do like gyms where there's no RX or or in this case where quote unquote RX is a percentage of your strength because there are a bunch of people that RX today's workout, but we all use different weights. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I um, probably the only areas maybe where I differ, like I walk in the door personally planning to scale five days a week mm-hmm. and with the mindset being that the RX is designed for competitors. So if you're a, com- a competing okay. athlete, if you're an athlete that, you know, is, is training toward, you know, some sort of games track or regionals or, you know, whatever you're training, you know, local comps, whatever, that's what the RX is for typically. And so I, I much like you're describing, I look at what's the stimulus, how fast should it be, or how long should it take me to complete? But I, I go in five days a week going, I'm going to scale in some capacity. And then I have to determine like, what am I going to scale? Is it Mm -hmm. time? Is it weight? Is it volume? Like, what is it going to be? And I think, and for me, and again, I'm a master's athlete, so it may be different than for some, but you know, I look at it and say, okay, you know, what can my body take? And there are occasionally, if it's a body weight and I know, you know, even at 50, I should be able to keep up with the 25 year old in a body weight workout. I'll quote unquote RX that one. Yeah. And Um, I think it all, it all depends on the background too. Like, so like you're, if you're asking me that question, I mean, you are, you're talking to a guy that like at one point was a regional level athlete. And I say at one point with a huge grain of salt, cause that anymore people are freaks but i cleaned 300 pounds yesterday and you know it's just like so like i still have the the baseline fitness that i was able to build to you know quote unquote back in the day when i was competing and now for me generally speaking most crossfit gyms i i can walk in and know that like yeah i I can rx the workout because it is kind of what i do right (laughs) like you know my company wad prep is like i teach people how to do all the rx skills so i kind of have those boxes checked off and i've always been decently strong with the barbell but there are still times where where i swallow that pill and there are times even at this particular gym uh it's called vantage movement or vantage crossfit um here in denver and it's like there's times where that percentage is programmed and i'm like there is no way i'm doing multiple reps of 275 pound clean and jerks in the middle of like a metcon i'm like i'm scaling and i'm not afraid to click that scale button so I think again, it, it, like we can't make a blanket statement saying like everyone listening needs to scale every workout. However, you also need to understand where you're coming from. If you if you are a master's athlete that is a beginner, then most gyms are writing workouts that are one not for master's athletes, which is a big pet peeve of mine. Which is why we have a master's program, and they're they're writing it for most workouts are written for the upper you know, let's say 25% up or 10% of a membership base. And then the goal is to work backwards from there. What some gyms do is they'll have an RX and an RX plus. Uh, and, and there's a whole bunch of different scenarios there. But the bottom line is like, you have to understand where you where you are in relation to the general programming that your gym follows. Because I do know lots of gyms that have, like I've gone to some gyms where I'm like, wow, this was a very scaled down workout. Because they're they're playing to their membership base, which might be way older than a typical CrossFit gym or might be very much beginner compared to a normal CrossFit gym. So 
There's a whole bunch of different caveats there, but I mean, ultimately it comes down to you should always be willing to scale the workout anytime you walk into the gym, sight unseen. When you're, when you look at workouts and scale them, like for me, I look at three big things, time, weight, and volume. Do you have a, a preference in which you order that when you're, I would say so time, weight, volume, which kind of volume kind of like goes hand in hand. Maybe that would be like reps. Yeah. yeah like so reps it, would be volume. It's an AMRAP, like number of reps. And but. then the last one I would say is, is ROM range of motion. That's the other one that I add into that. Um, and again, very case by case basis from a time perspective, generally a lot of times the, like the quote unquote stimulus of a workout uh, is kind of gauged on time, right? So like Fran, if Fran is taking you 15 minutes, then you have not scaled appropriately because Fran is meant to be like a, a sub eight minute workout, sub seven minute workout, something like that. So in that case, you wouldn't necessarily want to scale the time and say, I'm going to give myself 15 minutes or I'm going to stop moving at eight minutes. What would be better for this example is in order to get your time in the window that the stimulus calls for in this theoretical situation, you would then either scale the weight or maybe if you have like a problem getting full depth of your thrusters, maybe you modify your range of motion and turn it into a push press. Maybe you modify the range of motion of your pull-ups or, or scale down the, the weight of your pull-ups by adding a band. So there's all these like different factors, but generally time, I like to kind of like keep in line with the, the, the type of workout that it is. Like, is this supposed to be a 30 minute longer burning workout, or is this supposed to be a really, really hot and heavy fast workout? And then normally it's, it's a combination of scaling reps, scaling range of motion or scaling the weight. Yeah. See, for me, I almost, almost always look at the time and say, all right, I want to stay within the time domain. That's the first yeah, thing exactly. I look at always and say, all right, if it's supposed to be a 15 minute workout, I'm going to try to be within, you know, a minute to two minutes on either side of that, whatever that might look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I scale the weight to help me do that, which then controls the volume. Yep. If that makes sense. Now, the only time for me volume comes in is if there's a movement that I can't do. So an example that might be uh, if it's got a high rep muscle ups, like I can do muscle ups, but mm-hmm. I can't do them in high rep. Like sure. I'm, just, I'm not dumb enough to try that. I'm just going to mm-hmm. blow my shoulder up at this age. Right. So I'll, I'll do them in singles. If it's skill work, I'll do it, but in a workout, forget it. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So then I'll start looking at the volume because then I'm actually changing the movement typically. Right. Right. You know, and you know, I should know before people just start walking in their gym tomorrow and start changing movements, you should talk to your coach before you do that. Like, yeah, I hey always, coach, I'm uh, not going to do any of these burpees today. Yeah. This is a smorgasbord. I'm just going to pick what I want. You know, <laughs> like, no, I, I, I always go to Saks or Spencer and like, Hey, it's got muscle ups. What do you want me to do? Like, what would you prefer I do? Like, what, what were you trying to accomplish here? You know? Yeah. Um, and in, in my classes, like if you came to me, let's say I'm, I'm coaching a class. Uh, my, my workout yesterday was nasty girls, three rounds for time, 50 air squats, seven ring muscle ups, 10 hang power cleans. It's supposed to be a pretty fast workout. If you would come to me and, and said like, Hey, what am I supposed to do? And obviously my gym has this all pre-written out, but like, Hey, I can't, you know, can't do the muscle ups RX. A lot of times as a coach, one thing is I ask the athlete, what's their goal? For a lot of it, it's like, I want to get better at the open. Like, that's kind of like, it's their sport. So they're like, yeah, hey, I, I want to get better at the open. 
in that, if that was the case, I'd be like, John, I know you said seven's too much. What do you think about doing one ring muscle up per round and just doing one and then maybe five kipping chest of our pull-ups in the back end of that, or, or six, if you want to just do seven reps. And maybe you're like, Hmm, interesting. Normally I would only scale down to just kipping pull-ups, but in this case, we're at least like, we're giving you the stimulus of the muscle up, but not necessarily requiring you to do 21 in the workout, which is, which is, can be a huge amount of volume depending on the person. But if you're, if you have the ability to do the ring muscle up safely and do one, uh, three times in the workout, then why not? So that's how, that's how I approach that. We're like, that's actually scaling the movement or the ROM and then working backwards from there. But if you respond and say, dude, I'm just trying not to get hurt. Then I'd be like, perfect. Let's do strict pull-ups, you know, or, or perfect. Let's do kipping pull-ups if if that feels comfortable. So I think having that discussion with your coach is really important and hopefully, and I know this isn't going to be true for everyone. Hopefully people don't have coaches that are like, can you do muscle-ups? Well, yeah, I can. Then you do muscle-ups, right? Because that's not the right answer. The answer is like, what is your goal? And then work backwards from there. So well, hopefully that's a, that. That's a good point though, Ben, because I was thinking about that as you, I was like kind of envisioning this in my mind, what you're describing. I've seen happen a hundred times. We have one athlete out on the floor doing something different from everyone else. Mm-hmm. As a coach, how do you make that person, or maybe even if you're just, we're just thinking about that person, or maybe you are that person listening, like how, what do you do to help them feel like they accomp- came in and accomplished what they wanted to accomplish? Because I just like, my heart breaks sometimes, like seeing, you know, they're the last person to finish and they get the pity clap, you know, at the end of the workout, everyone's like, way to go, John. Good job, buddy. And you're just like, you're dying inside as you're the last one finishing this workout. Like as a coach, how do you help them understand that, hey, A, you did the right thing by picking a different movement and scaling B you got the work in and C it was a really good job. Don't feel less about what you did because you did something different than everyone else. For me, like if I'm coaching athlete like that and I, and I see that they're maybe negatively affected where they're like, Oh, like I hate being the last one in class. Um, first of all, if, if I know that about the athlete, they hate being the last one or like you can tell like really messes with them mentally then it's my job as a coach to like make sure that I'm assigning them the right rep scheme, the right weight, the right modifications to like help them be with the class. Maybe you estimate wrong. They had a bad day. They stayed up too late drinking bourbon. Um, and they, they don't, they don't hit your time domain and they're the last one as a coach. I'm coming in one, I'm cheering them on Two, I'm making sure that the other, the bros in the class and the, the chicks in the class that are super competitive, aren't like, you know, drifting off and cleaning up their equipment and leaving and, you know, Instagramming stuff like that. It's like, we're in this together and we still got a man or we still got a woman standing. And, and then as we cheer them on, and I know some people don't like the whole, like, let's go, you can do it. Um, I kind of gauge that as a coach and I'm, I back off sometimes. And then the last thing is I always reiterate that like, Hey, good job. You stuck to the plan. This is going to help you with X. Um, so like, let's say we scale down to a strict pull-up rather than kipping pull-ups because this person has some shoulder issues or needs to get stronger. I will be like, Hey, good job. I know that this took a little bit longer, but I promise you the strength that you developed or, or are in the process of developing is going to pay off in the long run. Good work. So like, you just got to reinforce, like as a coach, 
You got to own up when you make mistakes, but you also got to reinforce when like, hey, this was the right stimulus for you. And although these assholes finished before you, um, I promise you, you did the right thing. Thank you for listening to me and respecting me as a coach. You know, just that positive reinforcement. I, I trigger people with this all the time because I'll, I'll post about it from time to time. Don't let people clean up before everybody's done. I like, I know people got to get to work or you got places to go, but there's no more horrible feeling when you're an athlete out there working out and somebody's cleaning up their stuff. Yeah. Like the they're only- done so far ahead of you. They've put their bar up. They've gone and gotten a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. They've changed their they're shoes. eating a meal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the worst. My only caveat to that is like, make sure your classes end remotely on time, especially if we're dealing with like before work or the work. I mean, really all the classes. It's like a huge pet peeve of mine. And I know I've done it a million times, not a million, but I've done it sometimes. I got better at it. But like, it is a bit of a pet peeve where it's like, you know, the time, the, the stimulus of the workout. There are times where if the workout's long enough, you should scale down your warm up. Because the workout's long enough and you need to make sure you leave time for that. So like, that's my only caveat. It's like, bro, if we're, if we're 15, 20 minutes over the the time when the class was supposed to be over, like people will get fired <laughs> if, if they don't leave. So I think that's my only caveat. Obviously, if you have nowhere to be, then yeah, you should keep your ass on that floor and cheer people on. And if it's within the time domains of the class, absolutely. As a coach, I would be like, no, do not pick that up yet. Dude, I, I've said that so many times. Start on time, end on time. Like hey, man. You want to oh. run a good gym. But those That's rule number one and rule number or two. Or good competition. My goodness. The amount of local competitions that are like, hey, sorry, folks, we're running uh, an hour and a half behind schedule, and it's workout two. <laughs> I know. It's just a math problem they can't seem to figure out. Yeah. Well, let's change gears a little bit because I, I want to give everyone just kind of a little, you know, we're basically just giving them a taste of a lot of different topics that we'll cover over time on the show. Uh, most of it, I hope, coming from feedback from people listening. But one question I got from a follower um, last week, I put in my story, hey, we're launching the podcast. We want to talk about some topics. And the one question I saw over and over and over is, top gear? Like what gear do I need? Starting CrossFit, what's the most important stuff to buy? I have a short list, but I'm dying to know what's on your list. Oh man. I'm, and my list will just be horrible because I have, I was the guy that had all the gear. I still have my original pair of weightlifting shoes, Nike Romalio twos, and they are pristine and I will wear them for the rest of my life. I have a black and white pair. What color are yours? Mine are mostly black. They're like the all black with like those a little are, bit of those are great color. lifting shoes, by the way. Yeah. I mean, those are amazing. But the reason they're going to last me forever is because I never wear them. Um, so my answer underwhelmingly is first you need a good pair of of shoes that can handle the stressors of hashtag CrossFit gym life. And that means rope climbs. That means being able like being capable of going on a run. Um, so you, you, you need like a really freaking durable shoe. And then in addition to that, like, I'm, I'm like, that's it. That's all. And a jump rope. That's it. Like jump rope and a shoe. Actually, my two, those were absolutely my two. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Using a good jump rope. I, so, uh, I gotta be honest. Like I did, I didn't intend for this to sound commercially, but I'm geeked out that innovate is, uh, has been nice enough to, uh, you know, be presenting this podcast and Dude, helping us bring it to everyone. I'm so Innovate, stoked. 
Dude, they were the first shoes I bought in CrossFit. And you you made me think of it when you said rope climbs because I the bought blue the blue shoe. Yep. Yeah. I, bu- I bought the big blue 195s that were the OG shoe. And the first Incredible. time you rope climb, they get shredded. Yep. <laughs> like that was that shoe lasted me for so long. I guess I was able to avoid rope climbs for the longest time. And then, and I still have them. I like they're literally still, still sitting in my parents' house, which shows you how durable they are as a shoe. Right. We're talking 10 years. Um, cause I didn't get my first quote unquote real CrossFit shoes until, but they were the only ones around really. And, uh, I still have them. They're so durable. So the fact that like you and I had the, or we had the same starter shoes, we had the same starter kit and then it's like come full circle. And now they have shoes that obviously can handle rope climbs and are amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm so stoked about it. Well, it was, you know, innovate reached out to me several months ago before we decided to do this and they decided to partner with us and, and they said, Hey, we want to send you some shoes. Would you mind? I'm like, would I mind? Like, <laughs> like you're my dream shoe. Like I've been wearing you guys for a decade, you know? Yeah. And they fixed that. And, uh, to the point though, I, you know, for me, shoes, uh, everyone that anyone that knows me or has followed me for any amount of time knows I'm a shoe hoe. Like I've got, dude, you are. You are. Got, I have so many shoes. It's a, it's obnoxious how many I have. Um, so I think like for me, a good comfortable pair, and here's what you have to know about buying them. You shouldn't think about them when you're working out. That should, that's the number one rule for a good pair of CrossFit shoes. If, if your mind at any point during the workout drifts to your feet, you have the wrong pair. Hmm. That's it. Like you, you shouldn't even feel them. You shouldn't even know they're there. They should be so comfortable. You're going, this is it. And that includes everything you're doing. So you might need more than one pair, which is why I have so many pairs, right? You do you know, not. Yeah. Well, look, not, they're not all created equal for running. They're not all created equal for sure. That's, I agree with that. Or box jumps or lifts. And so, you know, I, I do think having two, maybe three pairs is a good idea. Okay. Two is probably for a beginner, like get two and you're good to go. You can start with one. I will allow no. it. However, no, need two or three. However, you do have to match your colors because let's be honest. When you when you feel good and look good, uh, it's a winning combination. Well, look, and there are a lot of great brands out there. So this isn't a, a commercial, but um, you know you do have to find a pair you're comfortable in. And then I do think you need a great jump rope, like particularly if you're doing a lot of scaling. Like for me, uh, jumping rope is one thing that most people, not all, but most people, can either do single unders or they can learn double unders. There's you know it's just it's another body weight movement, no different than jumping jacks or you know, push-ups, sit-ups, whatever. Um, it was the one thing I learned early on because I knew I couldn't compete in weightlifting with the big guys. And so I'd get in, as long as I live, I'll never forget. We had this guy in a workout. He was a former professional athlete. He was a baseball player, but he was built like a truck, just huge dude. And he could lift more weight than I could dream of, you mm-hmm. know. But I had been practicing double-unders forever. Like, I was really good at them. And I remember we had this workout and it was like, it had like a 95 pound thruster or something in it and a bunch of double unders. And I remember looking over like in the middle of round three and he's standing there just holding the rope up near his nipples, you know, like, you know, that tired hold, yeah. you're not moving, you're sitting there holding the rope. And I looked across, I'm like, I think I'm going to beat this guy for the first time in my life. Cause, <laughs> Cause he's so big. He can't do double unders. And I did, I beat him. And it was like the proudest moment of my life because I've been, you know, the weight wasn't prohibitive enough to keep me from lifting it, but I could kill him in the, 
on the double unders. And so, yeah. And it, it makes so much of a difference. And actually, so on YouTube, if anyone goes to YouTube, type in CrossFit beginner wad prep and it'll pop up. Um, I forget the exact title of it, but I have a little video where it's like, here are the mistakes that CrossFit beginners make. And one of those mistakes is not having your own jump rope. And then kind of follow up to that is when you do buy one, don't buy the Ferrari jump rope because <laughs> I don't know about you. When I learned how to drive my car, I, I rocked a Ford Windstar minivan. Um, I didn't drive a Corvette, right? Like you don't need right. the fastest rope on the market when you're not good at double under. So start with a nice, slow, conservative rope uh, and then work your way up from there. But you need to get your own or else you're just kind of like you're you're at the gym's mercy. And a lot of times you're probably not grabbing the same size, the same weight the same style, they get banged up. Just like get your own jump rope, please. Here, here's what I did. Again, I had that coach that was like, everything had to be brutal, right? So they had all these RX ropes that they had brought in and they had the really heavy cable. Mm-hmm. And so I would learn them in this thing and I would come in every day and spend seven minutes doing jump rope. And it's like, swish, swish, whack, swish, whack, whack. Just like those, smack. Those cables are no joke. Oh, they hurt so bad. And so I remember we had this workout. It had, you know, a few hundred double unders in it. And she wouldn't let me quit. And I was too stupid to be an adult and tell her I was going to. And I kept whipping myself. And when I was done, literally the backs of my legs were purple. Like that's what they look like. And so right. I'm like, I got to find a better option. Like this metal rope isn't working. So I went online and started Google searching it. And I found this rope, this Buddy Lee rope. And they sell them on Amazon now, by the way. This is a non-sponsored ad. So Buddy Lee, you should send me a Buddy check. Lee, pay up, bro. Pay up, buddy. Um, <laughs> but I still have this rope. And it was Buddy Lee. I think it's called the Euro Rope or the Arrow Rope, one or the other. But it, they're on. They're like 35 bucks or something on, on Amazon. And they have this little rubber cable, hollow rubber cable. And, and you have to cut it yourself to length. You know, and you kind of screw it in, but it doesn't hurt when it hits your legs. Hmm. And I sat there and practiced on that thing until I could do 50 in a row, until I could do Annie unbroken, you know, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10. And once I did that, then I upgraded to a speed rope, the Ferrari of ropes, to use your term, you know. But I I bet I used that Buddy Lee rope for four or five years. Yeah. And, you know, it's 35 bucks didn't hurt. And because it didn't hurt, I actually did it. And I think that's the point. It's like, if you have something that you know, isn't going to hurt you, you're actually going to practice it and try to get good at it. And I would do it every day for seven to 10 minutes before and before or after the workout. And eventually I got really good at it. Yeah. Or if it hurts you, are you just going to be like, man, I need to get better at this or this is painful. (laughs) I've given that advice to a couple people where it's like, Hey, you want to learn how to do double runners? Jump with your shoes off, (laughs) you know, but but that's no. that's that's more of a joke than it, I use that at all my double under seminars as a joke. But what's cool about that, the Buddy Lee rope or, or really any rope you go get, even if it is a cabled rope, having having a cable that's like slightly slower. So in Buddy Lee's case, it's a slightly slower cable because there's no right. there's no, no metal in it. It's hollow. So it doesn't fly through the air as quickly. Um the super duper speed ropes are so fast that a lot of times people aren't, they can't figure out their cadence because they, they're actually overspinning the rope. And then with the really, really heavy cables, like we're talking like the, the five plus ounces, that's where it's like, man, this thing's painful, but you can almost use those as like 
a donut on a baseball bat. If you've seen like, I know we're using sports analogies, but you see someone in the major leagues, they come up, they have this weighted donut on the bat. You take a couple swings and then you take it off. And then now you can swing the bat and it feels really good. And your form feels great. You can kind of do the same thing with double unders where utilize the heavy rope for training purposes, but not to beat the crap out of yourself. And then you can go to a, a lighter rope that again, doesn't hurt when you whip yourself, but just a bit of a lighter rope. And then it'll, it'll actually feel really stable and you'll, you'll feel like you have control over it. What, what rope do you use? Well, funny you would ask. Um, so we have, we do have a wad prep rope that we uh, partnered don't, with. Don't go commercial mode. I want to know what you use. What do you use? I, that's what I use. I, I, I'll tell you this much, any product that I promote, I, I was not bought. It was, right. it's something that I use. All right. What do you um, use? What is it? So it's, it's a, it's a wad prep. Um, it's made by Crossrope. Uh, my buddy Dave owns a company in, out of North Carolina. Amazing people. Basically, it's an interchangeable jump rope system. You can buy ours, you can buy theirs, whatever. But basically what it is, it's, it's a five ounce cable and a two ounce cable. And you can interchange them as you're practicing and learning. So like I teach a lot of people with the five ouncer. Once you can do a few reps with that, you move to that two, two ounce or two and a half ouncer and boom, you feel good. Um, so that, that's what I use. And today I had hundred double unders in my workout and did them all unbroken. And I, I don't use the super duper speed rope. I still use the, the wide prep one because I love it. And you know, I'm, if I'm promoting something, I'm using it. Well, I ain't promoting that. We're not promoting that rope necessarily. I just, I was curious what you use. I have, yeah. um, I use the RX speed rope, the G2, like the mm -hmm. really expensive and, you know, full disclosure, nice. like they gave it to me. I didn't spend the money on it. Yeah. Uh, and it's so fast when I got it. I'm like, I think this thing's broken. It doesn't work. You know, right. like, it just oh, triple unders. You didn't even know it. Oh, it was, it was so fast. I couldn't use it. It was ridiculous. Um, I bet I've used every rope made at this point. And I, I think the key is just find one that you like, that you're comfortable with. Like I've used the RX ropes. I've used the, well, the SPM. That's the other company or I'm going to uh, give you a really good deal on my rope. I'll give you a really good deal. Mm -hmm. You can try it. Hey, I, here's the thing. I put the the ceramic bearings of that thing up against everyone. Like I'll like at my seminars, I'm like, bring me your rope. Come here, come here. Spin test. Look, I'm down to try it. My the only reason I asked, and I guess that's the kind of the point of this for people listening, is find one you like. Don't go too cheap. Meaning there are a lot of like five to ten dollar ropes out there. That's a waste of your time. I have a bunch of those in my. And basement. they don't. Yeah, they don't spin well. Um, here's a, another great one, and I think she's actually. I'm, this again, not sponsored in any way, and that's what you're going to notice in this episode or in this podcast series is like we we bring the truth. Um, one of the first ropes that I ever used for a very long time was uh, from Wad Shop. I don't even know if he still exists. Um, dude's awesome, but. He partnered with Jumpin' Rope, who I know still exists. That's Molly Metz company, I believe. And she's here in Colorado. But she has a whole different series of jump ropes, one of which is the, the she has an R1 cable. And then there's another one that's like the R1.5. And there's a 2 and a 2.5. Basically, 1.5 and up are just like thicker, slightly heavier ropes. They are painful if you whip yourself because they are cable. But... That was what I learned with. And I went from, you know, I used to trip all the time with that rope and I was terrible at it. And then just through a lot of practice, there's no magic rope that's going to make you suddenly learn double unders, but through a lot of practice and, and pain and diligence, I was able to learn. And then now we can do a lot, but it sounds like John, you were able to learn with 
minimal amounts of pain, which is sounds pretty nice. Well, uh, no, I wouldn't say that's true. I mean, minimal amounts of pain on the Buddy Lee rope, but I got whipped hard by the other ropes. I right, whipped myself right. on every body part you can possibly whip yourself on and take that exact You're wearing a cup, double under workouts. <laughs> uh, I've, I, dude, I've whipped myself so many places. Like it's, <laughs> it's not good. It's not, like, not good. There's nothing worse than like whipping yourself in the forehead and, and the shoot, the, just the, the humbling moment where your coach looks at you and they realize you whipped yourself in the forehead and you know, they saw it and it shouldn't have happened. Like, how did that even possibly happen? Like you should be hitting at a minimum, hitting the front of your shins, you know, right. Hit your toes. Yeah. yeah, Or maybe the backs of your legs when it pops up behind your heels, but how do you hit your forehead? You know, just, Oh, it's, it's horrible. That's incredible. I know I've done it all. I've done it all. Well, this is fun, Ben. This has been a, I think a good first start at covering a thousand topics. Um, I can't wait to do this for the next 50 years with you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, look, I think what we're going to do for future episodes um, is probably stick to one topic. So I think, you know, for tonight, we wanted everybody to get kind of an idea of what Scale and Bell is about. But, you know, I'd, I'd love to see, you know, people DM us ideas. You can shoot a message to Ben or to myself. And, Absolutely. you know, we're happy to to cover topics. But, you know, it'll be everything from an entire episode on, you know, how to specifically scale a workout to this entire episode on on uh on gear and it might be you know talking about time domains or weights or you know, whatever it is that is really of interest to you guys i think for me i just think if we can help people get in and out of the gym without feeling like they've been hit by a freight train and and be health live health healthier better lives then you know we've accomplished something because i don't know about you ben but i didn't have a resource like this when i started i just had to figure it out and unfortunately yeah. i'm not very smart so i didn't figure it out very quickly yeah, I used to listen to like, you know, the really smart high-end podcasts where they're talking about, you know, like elite level stuff. And I'm just trying to figure out how to get there. Um, I wish something like this existed. The bottom line is like, I mean, I know like Wad Prep's mission is like we want to help more people fall in love with fitness. The way I did that, the way I fell in love with fitness and stuck with it for over 10 years at this point was CrossFit. And I know that. John, you had a similar experience. You're still doing it to this day. If we can help people again, like avoid mistakes, fall in love with the process and, and feel good about it, like feel good after the gym and feel good going into the gym. That's what's going to inspire that consistency. And then, oh, by the way, you're also going to be getting better and stronger and, and feel better and have better performance. And it's all, just overall, I'm, I'm really excited for it. And uh, yeah, if, if anyone has any topic suggestions, I mean, we have several right now, but I think investing in the people who are actually listening, uh, you guys can help us shape the direction of this. And I know people can always DM me on Instagram. I'm just at wad prep DM me. I check them. I still check them. Do not email me. Please don't email me, but I do check, I do check my, my, uh, my DMS and I would love to keep learning topics that you'd love us to cover. Yeah, I think we'll bring the topics that people want. And, um, you know, then beyond that, uh, Innovate's going to be sending us to live events. So we'll be doing some live podcasting. The next one's going to be the Rogue Invitational in October. So that's pretty exciting. I'm so excited to meet people there. I like I like going to events. 
Oh yeah. It's always great. So, you know, we'll do some live events and uh, you know, kind of anything else comes up. So should be fun. So good times, Ben, good seeing you as always. And uh, for everyone listening, we appreciate you guys joining us on our first episode. We will chat with you guys uh, weekly on uh, Tuesdays and uh, we'll see you then. Take care.